Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Today, we are talking about managing expectations while you're looking for a job. Why is this such an important topic, Lisa? This is something that comes up a lot because job searching can be such a roller coaster of an experience. Mm -hmm. And it's important to manage your expectations up front to kind of anticipate the roller coaster, but also it can help you to um, reduce some of the highs and lows that you may experience. Totally. Yeah. So that the lows that you experience aren't like a total crash in the prog- in the process you're going through. That makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. The number that gets thrown out a lot in terms of how long the average job search is, is five months. And I'd love it if we were to kind of just sort of explore and discuss why that number is what seems to be the average. It's not true for everyone, of course. It's an average. And some mm-hmm. people will land much faster. I read recently, uh, I believe Adrian Tom actually helped her partner land in about two months. And Adrian's a great job search coach. I'm not really surprised to hear that kind of number mm-hmm. uh, coming from her corner. But then there are people also who go many months, even into the early years, <laughs> early years category in terms of actually landing. So I mean, why do you think five months is the average for a lot of people? It's a great question. I think that we should probably define kind of what's included in that five months. Totally. For me, it's about going through a process that uh, I know has been a really big topic for you as of late, this sort of natural four-step transition that a lot of people go through when they're either starting their career or they're transitioning from one role to another, basically, I mean, I'll introduce it and then I'll let you kind of dig us a little bit deeper into it. But there's sort of an orientation, reorientation phase, deciding on our next steps, what are we going to do? That can be a real process and and it can be easily months long if you're not sure where to go. Then there's sort of a repositioning, rebranding, really coming out and making sure that you're marketing yourself as a top candidate in for the kind of position that you actually want to hold. Uh, after that, it's about job search execution. So are you actually meeting people that can possibly refer you into things uh, in terms of opportunities? And then can you close it out? There's the interview stage, there's the negotiation stage. And that final last little bit of a stretch is sometimes where people get really stuck for quite some time. And so why don't you just I mean, like I said, this is big for you. Why don't you take it from here? Yeah, so I think that when we talk to the five-month average, that tends to be the active job search. So Mm -hmm. sending out applications, actually applying for jobs, seeing where you can come up with networking and things like that. There's a lot of indirect stuff that you can do before that, which includes, like you had mentioned, kind of getting clear on what it is that you really want out of your next step, which from my own experience took me two years. So if you include that, I mean, the job search is a pretty long process. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is a critical first step to be able to really go into the the job search execution and branding yourself and everything else that comes with it. So the five months is really kind of that active phase, but because it can take that long, you want to start to prepare yourself ahead of time. So doing the indirect networking, getting your resume and everything up to date uh, as quickly as you can so that when you're ready to go out and start applying, that process or that portion of the process can go a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. 
the whole idea of knowing yourself and where you want your next step to be is a big, big piece of like, can you actually then go out, take yourself as this sort of concrete, clearly labeled candidate and put yourself in front of either employers or people who could be referring you for opportunities, kind of refiring your network. If you don't know what you are in the eyes of an employer or a potential employer, it's very hard for someone to raise their hand and say, yeah, I want to look at you more carefully. Exactly. It's almost like creating that niche mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of who you're looking to, to actually speak to, who your message is going out to. Um, but it can also save you time. Like when you're really, really clear, it can save you time of applying to jobs that you wouldn't actually want to work at. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. The, the stories where you hear of people sending out hundreds of resumes, like, are there really hundreds of companies that you really want to work for? Are there really that many roles that interest you? And when you can kind of narrow it down to a set target list of companies and the target list of roles, things get much easier. It becomes a lot more obvious who to talk to Mm -hmm. and what you should be saying, both from a resume writing standpoint and from an interviewing standpoint as well. Yeah. It's that quality over quantity. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So as people go through that process, is there, we've talked a little bit about this. Are there other ways that people can maybe speed up the cycle of career transition? I think that really focusing on high impact activities Mm -hmm. is something that is really important. So networking is a huge one. Um, Making sure that you're personalizing your resume. Those are two of the biggest ones from my perspective. For sure. Do you have yeah. anything to add there? Yeah. So, I mean, if you are already in, situ- already in a situation where you network regularly and it's now just about going to those contacts and saying, right now I'm looking for this and you already have uh, warm connections that now can be kind of turned into, I guess, potentially hot connections, people who are really actively listening now for things out there that may be good fits for you. Uh, And it's just like, if you've already taken that step of building a warm network, going from warm to hot is not that challenging, especially if you've been just a great supporter of the people that are in your life. Like if you are reciprocating the kind of uh, work that people are doing for you, helping others when they need it, referring other people into opportunities when the time is right, this is not a challenge actually going to people who should be really excited to help you. Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of interesting too, because we, we talked about the five month average, but in the pre-show we had talked a little bit about how depending on the type of role that you're going into, this can really change. And Mm -hmm. the high impact activities can also really change depending on the role that you're looking for, the level that you're at, the type of experience that you have. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more to that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, in some cases, right, in some executive roles, the executive search may be a many month long process, like to actually go through all of the stages of interviewing for, you know, a head of an organization or C-suite level position that can easily be half a year and you might be going through a specialized um, executive search firm that's doing a lot of due diligence, bringing in candidates from possibly all over the world for a position. And that's a case where 
your expectations to go back to that as our keyword really need to be adjusted because just being in the race is going to take a long time. That's going to be a marathon in and of itself. Then there's of course the actual arriving at the start line of that race, which may have taken you a long time to get to as well. So five months can easily be double that for someone who is sort of in the executive space. And I mean, sometimes it can be way less than five months. I mean, I flash back to a summer job, oh, 10 some odd years ago where I uh, was looking for maybe a week and handed a resume to someone and basically got a call for a resume, uh, a call for an interview, like within five minutes of leaving <laughs> that venue. And uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, I was working as a lot attendant at a Toyota dealership. Um, wasn't anything too fancy, but just being the right candidate for them at the right time. And I think that's another element too, is sometimes you are a, you're a valuable candidate, you would fit a role really well, and the timing just isn't right for the companies that are of interest to you. Mm -hmm. If you can wait, if you can wait for the window to actually really open up for you, it pays to because it ultimately lands you in a better fitting job. Yeah, that's a really great point. I can definitely relate to that too in terms of it being different. I think that when I first started looking for a job at a university, I I think I started looking in February and I got a job by the end of June. Mm. So February, March, April, May, so five months. Okay. Ah, the magic <laughs> number. <laughs> Whereas when I was, when I got internally hired, which is a totally different ball game, mm -hmm. it progressed very differently. And it was kind of a conversation that started in a month later, I was offered the role. And then it was again, another month and a half until I actually started because internal politics and all that kind of stuff is different in a big company. Tricky. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. As you said that, and just to kind of maybe add one more sort of boundary to this conversation around the, the interval of time. I remember Simone Nordegraaff talking about in our episode with her, she became the CEO of IPEC in Europe, which I guess really wasn't a position that existed until she became that person in that company. But that was a seven year process for her landing what I think is probably a dream job by her standards from what she's shared with us. I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but the idea that like it can really be a very long-term game getting into what you really want in your career. Mm -hmm. And that shouldn't necessarily be discouraging in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. I think that you're absolutely right. And it's okay to get a job in the meantime. Like if mm -hmm. you really need to switch, I work with clients all the time who are in that transitionary process where they're working towards something that they really, really want, but they get a, a different job in the meantime just to kind of tide them over until they're ready to make the leap. So managing your expectations of like, are you going for your dream job right now and you're going to wait it out for mm -hmm. that? Or are you going to take something that works for now and keep holding out for that great mm -hmm. next thing? Yep. Totally. Yeah. And, and sometimes you do have to just wait. Some employers, if they're hiring, there's a few different situations, right? Some people are hiring urgently because they have a need that suddenly came up yesterday. <laughs> they need it right away. And in other cases, the need is anticipated because someone is retiring, someone's going on maternity, paternity leave, some sort of predetermined leave, a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And then speeding up your chances or speeding up the process of getting employed in that kind of a situation is all about 
having ears in the places where those jobs, people know that those jobs are going to be opening up and can mm-hmm. you be one of the earliest candidates, like before the job is even posted, we could got, we could go into the hidden job market at some point, but like, that's, that's what it really is, is, is about being able to beat people to the punch when you know that they're going to have a high need and uh, the timing will be just perfect. True. Yeah. And all the stuff that we've been talking about, it makes me think of, you know, managing the expectations around the time frame. Mm-hmm. It's very variable. So I saw a quote once that was, be steadfast in your goal, but flexible in your method of getting there or in the journey. Mm-hmm. And so not being too tied to the amount of time that it's going to take you to get a job can be really helpful in managing your expectations. Yep. Absolutely. I feel like Tori Torres, our last guest on the show, actually said something very similar where she gets very tied to the objective, but is always willing to change up the tactics that get you to the to the final stage. So, okay. No, it's a message I'm hearing in a lot of places. What would you say are some other areas where people need to manage their expectations? So understanding that there may be other sort of obligations Sometimes I hesitate to say that word because it sort of has this negative connotation to it. But if you are looking for a job and it's your full-time job and you don't have anything else going at the moment, then yeah, you have an opportunity to speed up the pace of the process versus someone who is looking for a job while maintaining something that they already have. And it might not just be a professional kind of obligation Maybe it's something related to your family. You have young children, all of a sudden someone is sick in your family and it's totally okay that those things, which hopefully are important to you, you're not just living to work. You have people and other elements of your life that are, that are, that count for something. It's okay to just scale back and not be so concerned about how fast you're going when in reality, there can be more important things going on in your life that need your attention. Love that point. Yeah. Yeah. So diagnosing kind of what, what is important now. And a lot of the time we get caught up in the job search as being that really important thing. And it's, it's not as important as we think. I think that that's, um, it, it ties really well into self-care through the process and managing your mm-hmm. expectations and how self-care can kind of tie into that to take care of yourself and also the people around you when you're going through the job search. I Mm -hmm. think that managing expectations of your loved ones too can be a challenge, but also Mm -hmm. is very important. Yeah. You're making me think right here about times where, uh, you know, someone I really cared about hands me an opportunity, sends me some sort of job posting and I, I fight it basically. I, I was fighting a lot of those moments where it was like, this is not really what I want. Um, and there's sort of a push and a pull there because the people who are supporting you can definitely open your eyes to some new opportunities that you weren't going to find without their little nudge. But also the idea that like, if you're really, really focused on what you want, you really know what that next position is going to be. Those kinds of extraneous opportunities that people are putting in front of you tend to just be distractions, Mm -hmm. major time sinks. And yeah, just sort of being really clear with the people around you saying like, I'm, I'm on this journey and I super appreciate your support, 
Uh, if you find something that's more like this, feel free to send it my way. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to being really clear on what it is that you want and being able to mm -hmm. communicate that not only to the jobs that you're trying to apply for, but also to the people around you Yeah. so that you can say, if it doesn't have this, this, and this, I'm not going to be interested or this, this, and this is exactly what I want. I'm going through something very similar right now in the process of trying to buy a house. It's to me. And I often make that, that same, that I use that analogy of buying a house. If you don't mm -hmm. know what the house is going to contain, is it two bedrooms, five bedrooms, three bathrooms, 10 bathrooms? Like if you don't have it pinned down to something really precise, you're literally going to spend your entire life <laughs> looking for something that you might eventually fall in love with. And it's true of people sending you things as well. <laughs> so same with job search. It also comes with houses where they're like, this house might be good for you. And you're like, no, really no. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> but I appreciate that you're caring about me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that can be a tough balance for sure. For sure. The um the idea though of having a community around your job search, I think is super, super important. The people that know you, I believe if you just simply tell them, like, I am looking for a job, and as you said, being really specific about what it is, this, this, and that. If you find something, let me know. But finding as many people as you can who are going to keep you top of mind. So, I mean, I, in my business, have this list. It's called my partner's list. It's a little Excel spreadsheet, and it's a list of names of people whom I think I can support, um, professional connections, professional friends that I can support and who may be well-placed to support me at times. And I don't always need their support. I'm not always doing something that I need help promoting, for example. But when it comes time to promoting something, or if it were for a job seeker, when it's time to look for a job, fire up that list. It's time to take them from warm to hot and get them on your side because you want to get your train going fast. Yeah, that's a really great point. And they can also help you in different ways, whether they're helping you to make a connection with somebody, whether they're somebody that you can vent to, because... Mm -hmm. At times, depending on what kind of job you're looking for, it can be really nice to vent to other job seekers who are <laughs> also experiencing what you're experiencing. Yeah. But then you also need people who are able to motivate you and teach you things and interact with different communities or people that you might not have seen otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. And there can be such an amazing opportunity as you're going through this process to meet people who are in either of those two situations, right? Like mm -hmm. working with another job seeker or a community of job seekers to advance yourself, help others advance, I think can be a huge emotional boost and just a source of strength. Mm -hmm. uh, because the, the pain that we feel of going through this is very, it's very universal. There's a lot of things like feeling rejection, fear of failure. Am I going to go into an interview and just plant myself and walk out of there feeling terrible? Will I ever get a call back on something? Like yeah. those are all things that we have experienced and you don't have to experience them alone. And it can also be a great way of holding yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. If you have another job seeker and you maybe check in at the end of the week, it's very different. Somebody who's also going through that same process as you saying, how did you do this week? As opposed to your spouse potentially saying, so did you get any jobs <laughs> this week? You know, it can have a very different feeling of pressure. Yeah. 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 There's just so much with the role that like our, our partners or our loved ones, they, they have another identity in our lives. And 
to go out and work with someone could be a coach, could be a peer, could be a friend whose identity to you is someone who's there to really, you know, sometimes tell you the things you don't want to hear. That can be such a critical game changer. I mean, it's, it's why business people hire business coaches. It's why career seekers, career builders, hire career professionals like you and I, that's, that's really like at the end of it, one of the key pillars of that partnership is hearing the things you don't want to hear and being held accountable. 100%. Yeah. Not trying to like pump one-on-one coaching too much. I mean, obviously you and I both believe in it, but that that's really like, it's not rocket science. We just, we can't see ourselves, right? Like a coach is there to sort of be the mirror or our friends, our family, whatever. We, We need to have someone who is the mirror for us who sees the blind spots and can check them for us when we can't do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And even just asking questions of, cause sometimes when somebody asks you a question and you say something out loud, it takes on a whole different life than it does when it's swirling around in your head. Oh yeah. Yeah. Humans are really bad at internalizing things, but are much better once things are externalized, mm-hmm. then it can be organized, right? Like that's basically the whole idea of a to-do list or a calendar is like, you can't keep track of all these appointments in your head very easily, especially as soon as you approach a number. I mean, in my case, maybe higher than three, I can't really keep track of anything, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's, that's what the point of getting things out in the open is. It allows us to really see them in clearer light. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So I just wanted to bring in some job searching stats that can Mm. be helpful and keep in mind, take with a grain of salt it's just a general idea. It's not, this is going to be your scenario, but it can just be helpful for you to have as a benchmark. Makes sense. So when I was in university, I was in the co-op program and we had a jobs class. And I remember the professor telling us that for every hundred applications that you send out, you might get 10 interviews. And of those 10 interviews, you might get one job offer. So Obviously, if you're personalizing it more, if you're doing more of the quality over quantity, that might differ. Um, If you're doing this spray and pray method, then Mm -hmm. it might be more than that. Um, But that's just kind of a general benchmark. Uh, Two to 3% of people who apply to a job have a chance of being called for an interview. It takes approximately 40 days for a company to hire a new employee. I've seen it take much longer. Mm but 40 days is great for an average. Um, Two to five interviews is the norm for the number of interviews that you might go to before you get an offer, but three is the most common. And referrals are five times more effective than just sending out random resumes. Absolutely, yeah. People hire people they know and trust and a referral buys you an additional layer of trust that a cold, uh, resume submission for a job posting doesn't give you. And so that's, that's really like at our core as human beings, we, we look for things that we trust and we eliminate things that appear risky or like a threat. So if you can play into the game of building trust, you can definitely speed things up and raise your chances. There's a really interesting thing that you've just made me think about in terms of sort of looking at all of the attempts that people make and how do you, how do you play a higher leverage game? There's a book that I'd recommend people read 
not in the career space. It's a book on sales. It's called The Art of the Sale by a guy named Philip Delves Broughton. Really, really cool book that is about the um, sales stories of a lot of different people from different walks of life, understanding how they actually go through the process of sort of positioning what they're doing, building relationships with people, and just sort of living this life of a salesperson, because that's really what you are when you are in the job hunt. One chapter in particular, I'm just reminded is the, there's this gentleman who I guess sells airplanes and probably for one of the two big companies in the world, Boeing or, or Airbus, I can't remember, but this person is really unique and is really clear on their value, speaks a number of different languages so that they can speak to a number of different buyers in different countries and different parts of the world, has degrees in engineering, has degrees in business, wow. understands the actual technical aspects of the plane and uh, can also understand how it fits into a business picture for someone. So this is, this is a rainmaker for a product that costs usually between 60 and 250 million US per, <laughs> per unit. The clarity that he has with that process makes him really, really valuable. And if you as a job seeker can be really clear on what your value is, like you know, you know what you can say about yourself. If you don't know anything about the plane, you can't sell it. And so going through and really spending time in those early days of understanding like what, what are the key benefits to hiring me, mm -hmm. regardless of where I'm going? And can I get better and better at presenting those pieces of information to new people? That's what ends up speeding up everything. I mean, we don't all end up as plain salespeople, but the idea I think rings really, really true regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And you can then translate that into so many other parts of your job search. So mm -hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. It's the ultimate soft skill, I think, sales. It's just, it's in everything that we do. As long cool. as you don't look at it as sales. <laughs> yeah, I know everyone, everyone gets so like icky and uptight about it. But at the end of the day, I know Diana Waiki Chan, another past guest talks about it as how do we serve? How do we help? Instead of feeling like this is some sort of an icky process. Yeah. It's really just problem solving. Exactly. Have you got anything else on this topic that you think you want to share right now? Yeah. So I think just going back to the highs and lows of the job search, they do happen. And you've talked a lot in the past about the dip and how mm -hmm. the amount of effort that you put in, you get to a certain point and then you experience this low where you're not seeing a lot of results and mm -hmm. kind of getting through to the other side. So there's a couple of things within that of taking care of yourself. And we haven't talked about it specifically on the show yet, but having a growth mindset, mm -hmm. which really is having the mindset that you're not going to be perfect at it the first time. You are no. going to learn and you are going to grow and you are going to become better at whatever it is that you are trying to do as long as you keep at it. Yep, exactly. The magic word, I think, in Carol Dweck's book uh, is yet, right? She's the author of that whole growth mindset concept. And yeah, like, you know, if I can't get my resume to be read by an ATS robot yet, there's something that I mm -hmm. have to do. If I'm not clearing the first round interview yet, then obviously I need to just tweak the way I'm communicating there, believing that 
you can evolve like versus the fixed mindset, which says I can't do it. Therefore I'll never do it. Therefore I should stop trying to do it. <laughs> exactly. Not helpful. Exactly. And we can all feel that way sometimes, like whether it's your job search, whether it's learning a new job, whether it's exercising for the first time, whatever mm -hmm. that might be, mm -hmm. you're going to feel that sometimes and knowing that it will pass is the key to kind of moving forward. Yep. Totally. Growth mindset and the dip. We could probably, I could go on for days on that whole topic, but it is so applicable when we're looking at a longer term process like job seeking. Mm -hmm. And it's helpful to, to do some self-reflection through the process to say, what have I learned so far? Where am I really having a huge challenge right now that I need more information on? Mm -hmm. And how can I adjust? So if you've been job searching for a month or two and you're not seeing a ton of results, what is it that you need to do to adjust and who can you reach out to or what resources are online that you can find for free that would be able to help you to move forward? Yeah. Having some regular sort of self-reflection, regular um, retroaction, I guess is kind of the word is at least in French. I think I'm directly translating that hmm. in my brain, but yeah. Uh, the idea of just sort of looking back and that kind of brings me to the idea of, like tracking your progress mm -hmm. and noting like where in my process goals am I, am I hitting? Like if I've gone out and I've said, you know, every day I'm going to submit one application for a job or I'm going to reach out to three people in my target industry uh, or I'm going to talk to one new person who might be someone who's on that like partners list who is keeping their ears open for me whatever the process goal is, because those are the things that you can always, that you can control. You can't really control how long the process of getting hired takes, right? But like all of the moving parts that can help you get through it faster, that's where you can be um, effective and, and be in firm control of. Yeah, I just, I want to stop there and yes. just emphasize that point. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah, because if you freak out about things that you can't control in life, like, it's pretty hard life in general, if that's your approach. So true. Yeah, no, the actually looking at the nuts and bolts of the job search and boiling it down to the, a conversation here, an application there, a request for a referral and another place, all of those things you can control and you can also measure. And by actually seeing what you're doing, measuring that out over time that can build confidence in your job search. It's not just some mm -hmm. massive endless downward spiral that you hope someone pulls you out of. Although I feel like I've experienced that once in my <laughs> life, <laughs> it can yep. be that. But if you're actually like, if you're following, if you're being your own cheerleader in this sense, right? Like that is uplifting. Mm -hmm. That is uplifting. Yeah. And on that point, there's an exercise that I, I've done with some past clients that I think is really fun that people can do quite easily is, cool. so imagine somebody who you really look up to. It could be a celebrity. It could be anybody. One of my past clients chose Barack Obama, which I loved. Mm -hmm. So imagine Barack Obama is going through a really difficult job search. Hmm. What is it that you would tell him to help him feel better to go through this process? And once you've written that down, then turn it around and say it to yourself. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Coaching yourself, really just stepping out of your own, your own box, your own reality. I love that. Also, like, I'd, I'd be curious to know what your running tally of like the different names of people, people have chosen. I'd be curious to know that, but um, <laughs> I like that exercise. I'll definitely keep that in the bank. 
Cool. Anything else you want to add on that? Just the very last thing is to how to take care of yourself. So take time off, treat it like a job, but make sure that you're also in the same way that you treat a job, take weekends off, take Mm -hmm. your evenings off. However you structure that, make sure that you are not, it's not on your mind 24 Mm seven. And to that point too, do stuff that you love, do stuff that's fun. Sometimes you can forget to have fun when you're in the job search. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I get like this too. I have been fairly busy recently and have another coaching friend who asked me recently, what are you doing for fun these days? And I was like, Hmm. oh yeah, that's (laughs) a good point. (laughs) Great question. I love that. It's how you recharge and how you fill yourself back up when things are crazy or stressful Mm -hmm. or taking a long time. Those moments are inevitable and having those answers for yourself and it is unique to every person. We all have our own ways of, of recovering. Um, But yeah, there's, there's an endless number of ways have yours and go to them because it's, it's going to happen. You're going to need to at some point. Yeah. I'm curious for you. What's your way of recharging? Oh, it's good. Um, there's a few, I mean, this one's been hard because of COVID like smaller trips have been like a weekend away, for example, has always been, especially in the last couple of years, a really good way for me to recharge and just step out of what I do normally on a more regular basis. I love reading and just sort of like sitting in quiet space and being, you know, with my thoughts, able to kind of organize myself and it's a noisy world. I I don't take that for granted anymore. Uh, So whenever I am like really struggling, I'm always looking for quiet spaces, probably with a book, but worst case, just, you know, a little bit of time and space for myself. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of friends that I also turn to that really just sort of always kind of uplift me. And it's nice to know that you're, you're connected to something bigger. I mean, I think we need, we all need that for our long-term sort of contentment. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for sure. You're missing that kind of a support in your life. However, however it would look for you, uh, dear listener, I would suggest going out and finding at least one of those kinds of people that can really just help bring you up off the ground. Agreed. Cool. Well, I think we could probably call it a week at that. This has been definitely an episode that if you're struggling and you're hearing this right now and you want to know more about what we've talked about, feel free to reach out to us. This is uh, definitely, it's going to be a challenging time for a lot of job seekers for quite some time, especially Mm -hmm. because while I know that there are many places that are rehiring, um, any kind of a second wave is going to put a lot of people back out of the job and that's going to be tough. So Mm -hmm. managing that expectation And it could be any one of us that ends up in that spot. So keep your ears and eyes open because you never know who you might be able to help. And I think too, just last one last point, you only need one job. Mm. People have said this to me about house hunting. People have said this to me about relationships. You only need one. Mm -hmm. So even if you think that even if the job market is crazy and difficult, you're just looking for that one. And it will come. Yep, totally. We'll leave it at that. For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Thanks for joining us again this week. We hope you'll join us again soon. We hope you're doing all right. 
stay safe, and bye for now.